are listening to The Reckless Entrepreneur. My name is Francesca Mamlin, but you can call me Fran. I'm a girl with a mission to inspire a generation of bold, courageous, daring, and passionate entrepreneurs. And I want to inspire you to chase your passion and persist past the point where most people would quit. Because on the other side of that lies your true purpose. I'm so glad you tuned in and I can't wait to see what you have to share with the world. Hello, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Reckless Entrepreneur. I'm very excited to be bringing you another interview today. I'm sitting down with Shauna Van Bogart. So Shauna is a recovering perfectionist, speaker, and intuitive business coach for high-performing entrepreneurs. And she's been working in the field of transformation and business strategy for over a decade, helping thousands of individuals get out of their own way so they can show up in this world and have the greatest impact with their audience. Um, I'm seriously so excited for this conversation. I've been following Shauna online for over a year now, and I'm actually part of her inner circle and her book club. Um, she She has so much hard earned wisdom about business and about life. She basically blows my mind every time she talks. So this should be a good interview. So Shauna, welcome to the show and thanks for being here. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> That's a great introduction. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, so let's start talking about you and your background. So how did you start out as an entrepreneur and how did you make the switch to being a business coach? Um, so I started my business and my self-employed journey when I was 21. I knew on some level that I... I shouldn't say I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I knew work was going to be very important to me from a very young age. And I was just determined to find work that aligned with my skill sets and work that I was passionate about. So it was always a number one priority for me to do something that I really loved. And um, when I got out of school, I went to school for entrepreneurship and communication. There wasn't a job that I could find that seemed to encompass my skill sets. Like a lot of people, I think, that get into business, they make a job for themselves. So when I moved to Charleston right after school, I was looking in all kinds of different places to find where I could match my skills and passions. And I did have a a job straight out of school that I quickly learned was not going to be my long-term solution. And when I sat down to get clear on what do I want to be when I grow up, I kept coming back to this title of image consulting and I had job shadowed a woman in high school uh, per my mom's recommendation who she, my mom said, you would probably really love image consulting just based on your interests and everything that you've done growing up. And when I job shadowed this woman, I was like, oh my gosh, getting to work with people on makeovers and helping them be their, their best selves and working with them on clothes and styling and things like that. I mean, it was amazing. So I always had that tucked away at the back of my head. And when I realized that, okay, working a nine to five was not going to work for me and selfishly, I wanted flexibility over my time and how I got to work and my own creativity, I circled back around to that. And I thought, this is, I think where I need to start. Like, this is where I need to go. So it started with, um, kind of grounding back into what were those interests that have always been there 
and kind of realizing that the path was already there. It was then a matter of, okay, now, now what? Like, what's the first step? How would I actually do that? And so it was a matter of calling other image consultants, picking people's brains that were willing to get on the phone with me, you know, led to a certification program and popped up my business with a website in fall of 2007. And that's where it all started. Wow. I, I think that's so cool. Having the tenacity to do something like that at such a young age, that like blows my mind. So um, how did, even though I started my business at a young age, like I was going to say, yeah, it was, but I started like. A, a marketing business and you started such a specific like thing that a lot of people don't really know about. Um, yeah. So I think that takes a lot of tenacity and a lot of courage. So how do you think you found the confidence at such a young age? <laughs> it's sheer ignorance. I think, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you don't, you don't, I had, well, I had gone to school for entrepreneurship, right. And you come out of college and when entrepreneurship degrees were pretty new at that time and university of Iowa was sort of spearheading one of the predominant certification programs in at that time. So I think I had a lot of, um, ego, like I know what I'm doing. I wrote a dozen business plans in undergrad. I'm basically a professional, you know, academic entrepreneurship and then doing it are two totally different things. And so, you know, I think, I think that sort of, you could call it arrogance. Of, I know what I, I'm doing. I created business plans mixed with actually pursuing a certification, like getting out and getting the, you know, the, the actual talent, the framework for doing what I want to do, whether that for other people's health coaching or coaching or whatever, you know, it was just, there was no other option. I would, I, I, for me, I hated so much not having time of like time possession and flexibility with my calendar that I sort of let my hatred for conformity drive. I've got to make this work because I want to live this very specific life. So it wasn't so much about, I want to be an entrepreneur. It was, I want to live this life. And that means more to me than anything else. So the confidence kind of stemmed from that really strong desire. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I definitely identify with that. And I think a lot of people in the audience will identify with that. It's just when you're young and you're just starting out, there's not a lot of options out there on the job market. And yeah. at the same time, you're just kind of figuring out who you are and what your life to be, what you want your yeah. life to be. So like having to give up 40 hours a week, that's a lot mm -hmm. to ask of a I'm a 21, 22 year old. Yeah. So how yeah. did you then make the switch into being a business coach? Well, one thing I want to say about that really quick is mm -hmm. actually you're right about the 40 hours, but I think if, cause I'm, I'm still considered, are you a millennial? I right? Am, you're, I think yeah. I'm like the youngest a millennial can be. Okay. And I'm probably like right on the tail end of like the older half of millennials. Uh -huh. And it's like, I will show up for 40 hours a week if it's work that I love. But if it's work that's not a good balance of what I love and I feel like I'm achieving, then yeah, getting, getting me to show up for 40 hours of work is like, no, like, no, I don't want to live my life that way. So I think that's like, I think people will show up if they really love it and they feel like they're challenged and getting acknowledged and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. What was your, and then what was your question? Um, yeah. So the question was, how did you then make the switch to being a business coach? But that I'm glad that you stopped to make that point because it's, it's, a good observation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I started my business as an image consultant, I was working already with a lot of entrepreneurs that were coming through the door as clients of mine, specifically for those image topics, uh, appearance, behavior, communication training. And they were, because they were the face of their company needing help with 
personal branding and uh, social media and all that was just getting off the ground. And I was an early adapter to all of that. And so um, as someone who was, you know, one of the first people to use a fan page for business purposes before they even marketed it as such, I really loved the online space. And so I had a lot of people that were just organically reaching out saying, how did you do that? I want to do what you did and show me how you are, you know, setting up your marketing and I'm watching you do this. Can I pick your brain? Kind of the same thing I did when I got started. So I always had an organic back pathway of people just coming through that were always asking for guidance. Um, what I do did as an image consultant was transformative. The process is still the same for what I do with my clients now. It's just sort of a different context. But when clients would come in to work with me, we start with an audit of where they're at and then where do they want to go. And it's the same thing with business. I, on my, let's see, 11-year journey of being self-employed now, have been fortunate to be put in a lot of different situations and circumstances where I've just been surrounded by business owners my whole, basically my entire professional career, I've just always been around business owners. So I know them. I know the way their minds work. Um, and I've dedicated a lot of time to understanding that. So the, the shift for me was not necessarily one day waking up and going, I'm going to be a business coach. It kind of found me. It kind of organically just started happening. And it wasn't until two years ago that I actually came out with my own website and hung a shingle saying I'm a coach even though I had been doing that for years, just kind of, un I never marketed it. Wow. It, I'm surprised that it was just two years ago because you seem, it just seems like you were born to be a coach, like from my perspective, yeah. from watching you do well, what you do. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because other people can see that about you more clearly, like can see what your greatest gift is because as much as, you know, I'm in it now and I, I love it and this is what I do now 100% with my time, I had, I do still have another business um, that I grew from the ground up and other projects along the way and everyone around me was like, Shauna, you're supposed to be a coach, like you're supposed to be coaching and I resisted actually outwardly hanging that shingle for a very long time. But I always loved that influx of clients coming through that back door. But there was a disconnect for me about, it felt like a step backwards in a very weird way. And so we need people to, to, to press on us to see that because I didn't see that for myself for a very long time. Huh, interesting. What was it that kept you from seeing that about yourself? Was it like a, you said it, you, it felt like a step back, but like what was... Yeah. Well, so in the beginning, when I was an image consultant, I was working one-on-one -on -one with people and that was more of a consulting role than a coaching person. Mm -hmm. They'd come in the, in the door that way, but it always ended up coaching more than consulting. And I think because two things happened. One was the context in which I was helping those clients wasn't deep enough for me. So I just threw the baby out with the bathwater. I was like, okay, it's not coaching that I like. And I just like threw coaching out because I was, I just went, I don't like this one-on-one -on -one work. I don't like this context. So it must not be coaching period versus like, why don't we get in a different vehicle? And maybe you want to coach people on a different level. I didn't even go there. The second thing that happened is I had a lot of success with the other company that I started, which was the studio for image professionals, which came as a result of being an image consultant. So growing that company, which is primarily online, well, is all online and having the success that I had with that and ramping that up. 
I thought that the next general step is to do more of that on a bigger scale. So that business was all e-courses before e-courses blew up and online certification programs before like certifications blew up. And I thought the next step is like, okay, now we go big like everyone else is doing with e-courses. We like build out the funnel, but I create a different course. So I thought that I just needed to, the next step was like more of the same. So to do coaching felt like, you know, to, to move from something so scalable and then to go into one-on-one work, that's why it felt like a disconnect or a step backwards. I was like, why would I do that when I've mastered scale? Okay. Yeah, that definitely, that makes a lot of sense. And I actually think that's a really good transition to the thing that I kind of wanted to talk about, which is your business sweet spot. Um, Mm -hmm. The the first time I ever heard you talk was about the sweet spot. And I think it's such valuable information for my audience. So why don't we talk a little bit about that? You want to kind of get into what the sweet spot is and stuff? Sure. So the sweet spot, the actual definition of that comes from sports. It's the most effective uh, place. It's a place like on the bat or the racket that you can hit that will have the maximum impact. So if you hit that sweet spot, like on a baseball bat, you know, it will have the maximum impact as far as the contact with the ball on the bat and where the ball is going to go. So in business, when we talk about the sweet spot, and many people use that phrase, it's about finding that zone. I call it, you know, the combination of your zone of genius, your passion, and your ideal consumers that you can operate out of where things are effortless, still challenging, but effortless. And it is the path of least resistance. And that sweet spot is unique for every single business owner out there. And it's really about less doing and more being. And it's about more focus on the why and what am I serving to my audience versus how am I doing it? And most business owners deviate away from their sweet spot because they get so caught up in the how. And that's, I think, where we started or we, you met me was when I was talking real deeply about, you know, everyone's howing all over their business and they've forgotten where, they've forgotten how to be the person that makes things happen effortlessly and attracts the right answers that they need so they don't need all this how. They don't need to be running around and doing all the things and burning themselves out and constantly feeling like they're throwing spaghetti against the wall to see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, like pretty much every single business owner that I run into is so caught up in how everything is going to work. Mm-hmm. And it is really easy when you're in the trenches with your business to kind of lose sight of why you're really doing it. Um, and like, and that's what um, reminded me or what brought me to the sweet spot conversation is when you're talking about like, you didn't want to go into the coaching because it felt like a step back, but that was mm-hmm. actually kind of, you would probably say is your, your sweet spot is coaching. Yeah. So, um, like, what are, what are like some of the first things that a business owner can do to sort of get out of their head with that and start thinking about their why and finding their sweet spot? Well, for me, realizing that I had got stuck in how, and that was the reason why I wasn't going into my sweet spot, which was coaching. It was, it was stopping to reflect on, okay, I'm doing everything. I am, I am everywhere. I am all over the internet. I am on social. I am doing all these processes and systems trying to figure it out, meaning trying to make more money, trying to figure out like, what is that thing? And something always felt amiss. Like something, something is, it felt like I was driving, 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 driving and like pushing, pushing. I couldn't get there and watching my neighbors do all of the same systems and processes and having success 
it was like, what the hell? Like I'm doing more than that person and they're like killing it with results and I'm not getting the same kind of results. So it was taking a moment to witness that first of all, and then to raise my hand to say, okay, something's off and the way that I'm going about this is clearly not working and I need to admit that to myself. So trying and doing is not the solution here because I've been doing. No one shows up and does more than I was doing at that point. And so if, if that is the case and it's still not working, then maybe I'm not in the right place to begin with. So that was where like I had to sit with that and sort of observe that for a moment. Then I went to my peers and I went to people who know me and I said, when you talk about me, and let's say I'm not there, but if I'm a fly on the wall, and I think this is one of the exercises you heard in the talk that I gave, like how would you describe me in the work that I do to other people? Like my entire career, don't think about my businesses per se, but just how would you describe me and what I do? And all of them came back to me with something around coaching or transformation or moving people from A to point B. And I was like, okay, that's not at all what I thought people were going to say. But there was a pattern there. So soliciting that feedback helped me get that next clarity. And then I stopped everything. Now, I don't think everyone needs to go through the extreme path that I went through. I did it for my own process, I think, and to have those tools for my clients. But I stopped everything. And I did a massive purge in life, like life and business. I let go of my office space. I let go of employees. I let go of my interns. I shut down one company entirely. I like... I shut down all processes. I wiped, I mean, I started my fan page over and I didn't do all of this at once, but I chipped away at these things and did a massive purge of like, why am I doing all this stuff? Like I'm just doing it to do it because I'm desperate to solve the problem. So I had to, I had to get light. As I say, I had to like do a massive purge and clean out. And that gave me the space to let the answers flow through me. Yeah, that must have been really, it must, it must have been a little bit scary to kind of just feel like, all right, I'm going to stop doing everything. I'm going to let go of employees. Yeah. I'm going to give up this office space. I'm going to stop doing social media. Like, what was that yeah. like? Did you like feel like you were making the right decision or were you kind of like, <laughs> I didn't have an option at that. Yeah. I had already been doing everything else. It felt like that my hands were up in the air and Half of it was out of frustration and I was I, like, half of it was I just threw my hands in the air and I'm like, I'm just not doing it anymore. So half of it was out of frustration. You just get fed up and you just stop. And then I realized I kind of like rebelling. There's like satisfaction in that rebellion. And then the other half of it was like, again, I don't have a choice. And clearly admitting to myself, raising my hand to say, I don't know as much as I think I know. So I just need to be. And I had coaches and mentors that also were working me, like walking me through this. And the biggest thing that they were saying to me is, Shauna, you just need to be. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. That was so overcomplicated in my mind. Like I hated it when they would tell me that. But um, I had to trust them because they've always steered me in the right direction in the past. And they saw something that I couldn't see. So admitting that I can't be in control, I, I don't have the answers, but they seem to, I had to just completely trust so it was hard, but at the same time, I knew that if I kept doing what I was doing a year from now, I would not only be in the same place, I'd be in a worse place and I would be more frustrated. So I sort of scared myself into um, stopping and embracing the fact that like, I just got to completely trust here. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was terrifying, but simultaneously incredibly freeing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to back ourselves into a corner, I guess, before we make We do. Decisions. Absolutely. And to see, like, 
again, the question that, and this is sort of a, a, a very common like coaching model question, you know, if, if you just stay the course, where will you be a year from now? And I ask that to myself all the time when it comes to like getting the things I want in business. And I think that's a great question for everyone listening to just stop and ask themselves because you'll see very quickly, yeah, I need to like make a habit change or I, I need to change something because I don't want to be here a year from now. Mm -hmm. That's such a good gut check for any area of your life. Just be like, mm -hmm. if I stay this course, like what's going to happen a year from now? Yeah. I think a lot of times, yeah, if you don't like the answer, you make a change. Exactly. Cool. Um, so can we get into the, the three different parts of the sweet spot? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you envision a, uh, like a Venn diagram, right? You've got the, you've got three circles. You've got the messenger, the message and the market. So you have your message, which is considered the problem. What is the ultimate problem that you're solving for your, for your ideal audience? What is the thing you're obsessed with showing up with in this world to help make people's life easier, freer, happier, um, inspired, whatever it is, what's the problem you're obsessed with solving. So that's the message. The market is the actual target consumers, but the way that I walk people through it is much deeper than the avatar and your general demographics and target audience generation and all that. It's really making yourself um, a mind reader of those clients, really understanding them on a level where your credibility shines through in conversation and when you're talking to them because they're looking at you like, oh my gosh, is she in my head? She gets me so well. And that's what makes people want to buy not your certificates, how many years you've been in business or whatever are the shiny objects. It's making them feel really understood. So that's the market. And then the messenger is you. And the messenger is how you show up in the world. Where, what is your energy like when you show up? Uh, who are you being? So when you have all three of these at play and refined in a way that is your unique process, then at the center of that Venn diagram is that sweet spot. And I find a lot of people are strong in usually just one. They're not strong in all three. And they aren't strong in all three because we tend to overcomplicate it, first of all. And second, we do have a tendency to stop like one yard of the goal line. And it's like just that extra step that we need to take to really bring those three into order so we can be in that sweet spot. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like if, if one thing is, is stronger than the rest or if like one thing is missing, like what kind of, what is, what does that end up looking like for a business owner? Yeah, it looks, um, it's imbalanced. So it will show up as overwhelm, burnout, doing all the things like constantly problem solving, constantly reactive. And so it's, you know, that you're off balance when you're in a how place, when you're like, how, 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 how do I figure this out? And you're like kind of reaching and or clutching. Anytime you have those feelings or those emotions at play or that behavior at play, you're off balance in that. Um, if you have the, um, let's say you have the messenger really strong, like your energy is there, you're showing up, like you, you feel inspired, you feel confident and people are engaging with you, but they're not buying then something's off. You're not in the sweet spot. You should have the energy plus the conversions. So, you know, if you're, if you're sitting here going, Shauna, like my email list blows up, I get uh, comments on my Instagram, I'm getting people telling me they want to buy, but you're not actually getting sales, you're not in your sweet spot. And that's a really common one that I see for a lot of business owners. They're like, I have the engagement, something's happening, but it's not happening, right? 
Mm -hmm. I see that too with clients. I think it's, it's funny because business owners don't realize that it actually can be easy because I think we're, we're sort of the, the narrative that we're fed with entrepreneurship is often like hustling and working long hours. And I even had somebody say to me that they didn't want to start a business because they'd rather work 40 hours for someone else than a hundred hours for themselves. And I was like, yeah. it does not have to be that way. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. People just don't realize it doesn't have to be so hard and so caught up in strategy. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I kind of wanted to do next was talk about like, if somebody was unsure of how to find their, their specific sweet spot. And so um, like, Let's just start for the message. If someone's having trouble seeing the problem that they solve, how can they go about like figuring that out? Yeah. Always talk to your audience. I think the answer to most of the questions for me starts with um, feedback and soliciting that. And have you really been listening to them? Because your audience always tells you and they're using their language, which is the language you want to market and sell from their language, not your language. So a really great way to think about this is uh, think about the mountain and, and when, you're, when, you're, when you're working in a sales process or you're trying to work with someone or bring a client on, you're trying to move them from the base of the mountain up to the top, which is where you are. You're at the top of the mountain because you're the expert. You're the professional. So if you have to get them to the top of the mountain, you can't stand up there and uh, yell down at them, you know, the air feels great up here. Like, come up here. Like, they don't know what they don't know yet. And you might be using language and um, verbiage and examples that don't resonate with them because frankly, you're so intelligent and you're so in your zone of genius. You've forgotten what it's like to get off the mountain, walk back down and like to be at ground level again and get clear on what are they going through at that ground level? What's running through their head? Not when they're halfway up the mountain, not when they're at the top of the mountain at that ground level, whatever that looks like for each business owner. So, um, talking to them and using their language and they'll tell you what problem you're solving for them but you've got to be actively soliciting that feedback whether that's google surveys or getting on the phone with people or making sure you have every program that you run or you know the coaching process whatever the the post um process is when you're done working with someone just build in that feedback into the system so that you just always are collecting it and it's automated. That would be a, like a process everyone should get on board with. Mm-hmm. It's so, so important to talk to your customers because you, you mm-hmm. really don't know what other people are thinking. You can't just sit and like theorize about what problems they might be having, what thoughts they might be having. Exactly. You really don't know. You're not a mind reader. And let me give you a really, really clear example of this because I want to get practical. I want, I want them mm-hmm. to see an example. So in my other business, the Studio for Image Professionals, before it was a certification hub, I, had, I, I was on this um, war path of telling image, aspiring image consultants how important the business side of it was because that was lacking from my certification program. So I came out of the gate with that particular business building business member, like an online membership and or um, um, at the time, I think it was like $400 to have access for six months. And it was like a hub of business tools for aspiring image consultants. And again, tons of engagement, lots of people emailing me, my list was blowing up, but no one was buying. It was like banging my head against the wall to sell like a four to $500 product. And because I was obsessed and I was at the top of the mountain being like, you need the business training. That's not what they were focused on. They were focused on, no, I need a certification because I need to be serious and I need to be professional. 
And so it wasn't until I solicited feedback where the person was like, no, it's not your product that's wrong. It's just that if I'm going to spend $500, that money is saved for the certification program first. And so I was competing against almost my own products where they weren't, they wanted to buy, but they were like, but not yet because it's not important to me, even though I knew it was important to them. So I had to get off the mountain, come back down and show them, uh, meet them where they were at. And that was just a repackaging of what I had to offer. So I took what I had to offer, repackaged it as a certification, which is how it started and went from, you know, like $2,000 a month in sales to $25,000 a month in sales because of that very specific piece of advice. So talk to your customers and they will tell you, you don't need to figure it out on your own. And I recommend you don't because you're too close to it. Wow. I'm really glad you gave that example. Cause like it just shows if you just have like a couple conversations that that makes a huge difference in revenue yeah. and in impact. So yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. So with the market, um, what are the steps that someone can take to figure out who their ideal customer is? If like, some, some people who listen are like really at the beginning of starting their business. Yeah. Um, and what would you say to someone who's kind of afraid of narrowing a niche because they're afraid of like missed opportunities? So they're trying to be everything to everyone. I'm going to answer that question first. And that is how well is that working for you now? <laughs> right. I mean, because every time, and I still have fears about that too. So let's just be honest. And I'm 11 year seasoned business owner and I still also have those fears. I don't know if that goes away, but how well is that working for you? And if you haven't gotten started yet, try it and see how well it works for you. And you will discover it's awful. It's, it's really hard to market because you have a million different marketing messages. It's really hard to hone that in. You basically 10 X your efforts. You 10X your efforts when you're not specific about who you're working with because you are preaching way too wide and that's way too many people to keep track of. And so you lose the energy and the personalization that you need to really talk to the, to the right customer who gets it. So um, zone into 100 raving fans. What is that? Seth Godin who says that, I think. Like 100 I raving fans. So, yeah. 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 Like focus in on that when you're early on and build up that tribe and view like that first year or two really as, as beta. You know, like I came out of the gate with a wide audience. I did it. It was really hard to market. What it does is it does give you clarity on your first question here, who you do want to work with. So the most important thing that you want to get clear on is not who do I serve, but who do I have the biggest impact with? So if you have been in business for at least a few months and you've worked with people, whether that's on a trial basis or, you know, for free, just, um, you're beta testing or running people through it just as practice, who are you getting the best results from? Like document down the characteristics of that person. And why do you think you got the best results with that person? Where were they at in their life? What was going on with them? What were the problems and the words they were using when they talked to you? And so I want people to be zoning in on who they get the best impact with. And, um, you should have that data. You should have that data available to you. So if you don't have that, then like I said, then you're just starting, just, you know, get out there and trial. And this is one of those situations where I think it is okay to say yes to clients coming in because you just need to do it. Like you need to do to figure that out. Did mm -hmm. that answer the question? Yeah, definitely. It sounds like in the beginning, it's kind of trial and error. It uh, is. Yeah. And then don't be afraid to narrow down. Once you're sure who that person is, don't be afraid. Yeah. to. And here's the deal. I tried to go wide even with business owners. And then I was like, no, I need to start in my own backyard with people I know even better than business owners at the time. So this was like seven years ago. And that was image consultants. 
I knew image consulting. Was that business owners? Yes, but it was a hyper niche focus of business owners. And so I started building, you know, business courses and these certification programs for image consultant business owners. The reason I have so much credibility now is because I killed it with a very specific niche versus going wide and going, I'm going to serve all business owners, which I tried. It's really hard to gain credibility and gain, gain traction as an authority. And you can gain traction as an authority and get that credibility that you need when you go really hyper niche and just like kill it with a really specific segment. Then you have some clout to stand on and then people really like admire and see you as that authority that you need to be to get the bigger things you want. So just see it as a stepping stone. There's no, don't look at anything with permanency. I think that helps when you start to get into fear about narrowing. Um, it's not necessarily permanent, but you need that stepping stone and it's really imperative. Mm -hmm. I like how you said, don't look at anything with permanency. I think that's just generally really good advice because a lot of us here are really early in our entrepreneur journey, including myself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's cool to see someone like you who's been an entrepreneur for so long and you're career has taken so many different turns and you've changed a lot. So um, whatever you're doing now isn't necessarily what you're going to be doing in 10 years. And that's, that's Absolutely. great. Yeah, that's no, it is great. Frustrating is. sometimes when you're in it, but really it's a great place to work from. I wish that I had someone tell me that in the beginning because I got caught up for many years in uh, thinking in permanency and thinking I needed to get it figured out. Like I need to know who that audience is. I need to get it figured out before I could move. And I'm an overthinker and recovering perfectionist. And like, I tend to overcomplicate things. So that stalls a lot of people up. And that is one piece of wisdom I wish that I would have had in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of pressure because like it all starts when we're going to college and we have to pick something to major in. And yeah. then from then on out, we're like programmed to be like, okay, so this job, this career, this is what I'm doing from now on. And you are absolutely right with that. Yeah. 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 So cool. Um, so for the messenger, the last part, how can somebody yeah. find the confidence to stand in their value, especially if they're new to whatever they're doing? Like, like they're just starting their business. Yes. Small wins, the power of small wins. Um, uh, competence brings confidence. Competence brings confidence. So if you can, um, like I said, trial, even if you need to do things for free, the, the end result of in the beginning, maybe doing things for free is to get the small win under your belt. So you can get that competency to feel confident. That's the only way to feel confident is when you have the competency. So the competency does come from doing your craft, not, you know, the how of the business, but like doing your actual craft, whether it is health coaching or life coaching or fitness training or you know, private chef or whatever it is that you do. So how can you get in front of people and do the thing that you love as much as possible in the very beginning? Um, for me, it was offering, when I came out of the gate, significant discounts and packages just to get people in the door. It was you know, doing image consulting and closet edits and color analysis on every family member and every friend I could get my hands on. And watching me in action, I was terrified. So I'm not going to sit here and say, you shouldn't be scared. You're going to be scared. I was terrified even for the first year, every time a new client came through the door, but walking away from those sessions going, wow, I really knew more than I thought that I knew. And I could see on my client's face, the transformation and what was happening. I could see the aha moments when I was working with them. That is the only way to build confidence quickly is to just do and build your confidence. 
Yeah, you're right. And it is scary. But I also, I also think like when you go out and you start doing the thing that you do, you forget that like all of this knowledge that you have in your head, other people don't have it. Like I think sometimes we take it for right. granted. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. That is probably the number one thing in the first three years to remember. I haven't thought about that in years, but I, I think the first three to five years, it's very common for business owners to question their value very common. So if you have that, just know like that's just a normal Tuesday for every entrepreneur in those years. I mean, it's, you're so good at what you do and you're so close to it. As I said before, you're almost too intelligent for your own good because you're going to go like, this is so easy for me. Isn't this easy for everyone? Is there any value here? Because it's so easy for you. You see things in a, in a way that are easy because you're the expert and you got to remember that to your point. Exactly. Like that doesn't mean it's not a value because it's easy for you. And we are so messed up with the word ease and easy. We, we've got those wires so crossed. We had to diligently unwire uneasiness with no value. It's attached to all kinds of things in life, right? And we could, that's a whole like other conversation. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that was all really, really amazing knowledge. So how can people find more, how can people find more out about you if I can like remember how to talk? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy. I am all over the web as Shauna Van Bogart. So every, every um, handle of mine is Shauna Van Bogart. Um, my group would be a great place to start the free group that I have, Sweet Spotters on Facebook. Come in there, browse around. There's more than 100 training videos in there. Um, Instagram's my primary social hangout. So come join me on Instagram. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I love your Facebook group. That's actually where I, after I met you at that conference, I yeah. pretty much followed your Facebook group, like watched every video for a solid year. I know you've been there from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's the kind of stuff that no one else has ever told me. So yeah. And that's yeah. why I wanted to have you here. So. No, I love it. Well, you're bringing so much value, so much that I wish that I would have known early on. So I just commend you for showing up and like holding this space for your audience because it's so, so important. The world needs you and all of the people that are listening to this so much. So I'm glad that you're facilitating the space to bring the knowledge of your guests to them. It's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you again for taking the time to be here and share all of the amazing stuff inside of your head. <laughs> yeah, you bet. So much wisdom. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. such a great interview and there is so much value that can be taken away from this episode. Here are just a few of the main takeaways from the conversation I just had with Shauna. Other people can often see your gifts better than you can. Shauna saw business coaching as a step backwards because she was afraid that she wouldn't be able to scale a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, but coaching was her sweet spot. It was the thing that she could do effortlessly, so it really wasn't a step backwards. It was actually a step into her strength. So if you're looking for a business that runs effortlessly, that has you operating in the flow state, talk to friends and family and colleagues to pinpoint what your personal strengths might be. You just might gain some insight into a skill that you take for granted, but it might blow someone else's mind whenever you share it. 
Your sweet spot is where your zone of genius and your passion meets the needs of your ideal customer or client. When you find your sweet spot, you're no long you no longer have to strain to keep your business running and growing. Things start to happen more naturally. Most business owners get caught up in the how and they forget that they're meant to operate from a place of being. Sometimes trying and doing is just not the solution. So ask yourself, what tasks do you keep adding to your to-do list just because you think you need to do them? What would happen if you just let that stuff go? Ask yourself, if I stay on the course I'm currently on, where will I be a year from now? And do I like that potential outcome? This is a really important gut check for your business or really any other area of your life. If you don't like the answer, no problem, because you have every ability to change it. The parts of the sweet spot are the message, the market, and the messenger. The message is the problem that you are solving, the market is the person whose problem you are solving, and the messenger is you. When all these things are in alignment, your business will benefit from that. But when one thing is out of alignment, or if it's missing, that's when you start to see problems in the way your business runs and grows. So I hope you got some things from this episode that you can apply to your business today or right now. This part of entrepreneurship is what we should be figuring out first before we start getting into strategy or marketing or all that other stuff that falls into the life of a business owner. So I recommend you take some time to reflect on all of this stuff. And now it is time for you to go forth and be the bold, daring, courageous, reckless entrepreneur that you were meant to be. And I will see you next week.